Can we just pray as we come to look at God's word together? Sorry. Lord God, just as we look at um, this word grace, Lord, one final time this morning. Um, Father, I can't help but just feel uh, brokenhearted this morning. Father, I think of the events in, in Manchester, and Lord, I know that these things happen all over the world every day. But Lord, I think of our children. Um, I think of those events last night, Father, and I'm, I'm just brokenhearted, really, Father. And I just really pray that as we just think of this word, that you would just remind us, Lord, of, of, your, of your hand in this world. And Lord, your solution, if you like, your, your ways, Lord, in this broken world. Because, Father, you are the King of kings. Lord, your kingdom will have no end. And I pray that you would challenge us, but inspire us and show us, Lord, um, the part we must play. We must play, Father, in a world like this. So, Father, I pray that you would just be with us now and uh, use these words of mine, Father, for your glory only. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. When Billy Graham was driving through a small town uh, in the United States, he was stopped by a policeman and charged with speeding. Uh, Billy Graham admitted his guilt, as you would hope, um, but was told by the officer it didn't matter, he would have to appear in court anyway. The judge asked him simply, guilty or not guilty? Billy Graham pleaded guilty. And the judge replied, that would be $10. Every dollar um, for every mile, one dollar for every mile you went over the speed limit. Well, just then the judge recognised who it was that he'd just convicted and charged with a fine, recognised that it was the famous preacher Billy Graham. And he said to him, the fine must be paid, you violated the law, but I am going to pay it for you. He took out a $10 bill, stapled it uh, to the ticket, and then took Billy Graham out for a steak dinner. That's my kind of judge, frankly. Um, But during dinner, Billy Graham announced that is how God treats the repentant sinner. That's how God treats the repentant sinner. Even though there is a a punishment attached to the things we do, God pays it and God blesses us as well. Over the last few weeks, we've been looking at this word grace on a Sunday morning. We've been looking at its biblical meaning. We've been particularly focused on its New Testament definition, how the word in Greek uh, really is about the word favor uh, or the word kindness. It's about how God shows his favour and love to people who don't deserve it and how it carries that sense of kindness as well. And as we approach a general election on Thursday and with the events of last evening as well and those of Manchester, which we mustn't move on uh, quickly from at all, um, really it's perhaps uh, reminded us of how unkind our world can be. And instead of favour and kindness, often from human hearts we see darkness and bitterness. And our world, like never before perhaps, needs this word, grace, to be permeating every area of society. J. John uh, made this statement this week or a week or so ago about the general election. He said, can I also make a plea for the preservation of grace? Grace is love for others. Grace is the disinfectant that stops the spread of those diseases of anger, hatred and bitterness that are so uh, all over the place this uh, election time. Yet grace goes further. It encourages forgiveness, gentleness and courtesy. Without grace, it is all too easy to drag political debate down into a grubby tussle in the gutter. Uh, I've been pretty disappointed, actually, with how we've uh, approached debates leading up to this election but he pleads for grace. Why is grace so important? Because grace, unlike mercy, 
is when we receive something that we don't deserve, something good that we don't deserve. Mercy is when someone withholds something bad that you do deserve, like a punishment. Grace is when you're given what you don't deserve, and it's something good. The Bible, in the Bible, we're told how Jesus Christ died in our place. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. There are things we do that we shouldn't have a punishment before God. And yet God loved the world so much he sent his son to take that punishment for us. That's why Jesus had to die. He had to pay that price in our place. And it means that we just need to ask for forgiveness and God grants it because Christ has already died in our place. And even though our hearts are often dark, even though we often rebel against God and his perfect ways, in Christ we can be given everlasting life, forgiveness, restoration, and we don't deserve it. But in Christ, God freely gives it to anybody who will ask, anybody who will ask. Only the favour shown by our Saviour can repair shattered lives this morning it's only grace that allows even the worst person to be welcomed home brand new when we are lost in sin we are only saved by grace and as christians we should be in constant awe of the grace of our god knowing that the blessings he gives and the love he showers on us is completely undeserved but wholly ours to enjoy And I don't know how you find worshipping God, but I often find it emotional. You probably don't know this from where I stand. That's why I stand nearer the front. Well, no, I stand near the front. I'm going to get up here quickly, actually. Um, But I often feel emotional when I worship God. And as we get to Good Friday particularly, I often feel like I want to burst into tears simply because I know me and I know that if I was God, I wouldn't love me. And that's not over-the-topness of my part. That is how I genuinely feel. And as I worship God, I know that God loves me, even though he knows me. He loves me anyway. Because as the song famously says, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. There's a brilliant proverb. Uh, they're all brilliant, obviously. Uh, chapter 16, verse 24 of Proverbs says this. Gracious words are a honeycomb sweet to the soul and healing to the bones gracious words are a honeycomb sweet to the soul and healing to the bones i wonder today if your soul is a little sour i wonder if you feel a little bit broken this morning well let god show you how much he genuinely loves you come back to the cross that's where healing is that's where restoration is when you know that god loves you so much he gave his beloved son We've been looking at grace these last uh, two to three weeks, but we've been looking at it from God's perspective, how God shows grace, the way God blesses us. We've not really considered what it means for us to show grace to other people. And perhaps this morning, this is a very poignant talk, because our world doesn't need more bitterness and hate. It needs more grace, mercy, and love from the people within it. In Romans chapter 12, um, verse 17 to 21, Paul writes these wonderful words. He says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. 
For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. And then verse 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. What an amazing verse to read this morning. We are called in these last days to be a city on a hill as a church. In these dark days, we're called by our Saviour to be lights to our world. We're commanded to be the salt of the earth. We're to be those who let love and faithfulness never leave us. And in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 3, we're told to bind love and faithfulness round our necks and to write those things on the tablets of our hearts. We are to be the ones who are pure in heart. We are to be the ones who love our enemies, to love those who would kill us, We are to be the ones who bless those who persecute us. Bless, Jesus says, not curse. We are the ones who are to reach out into the dark corners of our world with a message of salvation for all. We are the ones who are to fight, to not take up arms, but to take up hands, to not fight human beings, not with the weapons of this world, because those who live by the sword will die by the sword. But we're to fight with spiritual weapons because our fight is against the rulers, against the authorities and the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. Ephesians 5, chapter chapter 5, verse 1, commands us to be imitators of God. And God is love and God is grace. And we too are meant to be like our God. And so this morning as we think about what it means to show grace... I want to show you some examples of grace at work in the life of Jesus Christ, our Savior, and our greatest example. Jesus was the most gracious person on earth, and what he did changed darkness to light, and therefore we must copy the way he lived. So here are just a few examples of the grace of Jesus. In Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 to 4, we read of Jesus interacting with a man with leprosy. It says, when Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. When Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. You see, leprosy in the day of Jesus um, was considered highly contagious. It still is considered highly contagious in many parts of the world. And so what would happen is lepers would go around in groups of people. They would be avoided at all costs. And in fact, in Jesus' time, if you had leprosy, you were considered spiritually unclean as well as physically unclean. And in some parts of the world, um, leprosy is still a real taboo thing. And in fact, lepers will go around in groups of people and they will ring a bell when they shuffle down people's streets if they can no longer walk. And people will run to their houses and they will throw money to them. They won't give it to them, they'll throw it to them. And what's incredible about what I've just read and about grace isn't that Jesus healed him. What's amazing about this story and about grace in these four verses is that Jesus first touched him. He put out his hand and touched 
the man. And I would suggest to you that the moment of grace in this story wasn't when that man was healed of his leprosy, but was when Jesus touched a man who was untouchable. Grace touches the untouchables. I wonder who the untouchables are in the 21st century. Who are the people that people avoid? As human beings, we tend to group together, don't we? We tend to group around with people who are most like us or our sort of people. I hate that phrase. But our kinds of people. You know, we hang around with people that, are, that sort of say the same things as we do. And then what happens is you've got a group of people that you're in and then a group of people that they're in. And then that other group becomes them and those people and they And what happens is when you start talking of a group of people generically, you then say, well, we do this and they do that. And before you know it, you push them down. You see them as less and not as good as you. And that's when you get discriminations of all sorts. We tend to avoid them and stay with us. I remember on the school playground, uh, the groups of people would divide into social groups. You would get those who had the most would all bandy together. Those who were perhaps considered the most prettiest or the most sporty would kind of get together. And those who were considered to have the least money or be on the poorer end of society or not come from the nice area, they would always get pushed on the fringe. And by the way, I'm not talking about when I was at school. I'm talking about a playground when I picked my children up from school. Because it still happens. Human beings always group together, us and them. Who's not in your group this morning? Who's not in your group? Who does your group look down on? Who are the them that you don't ever talk to? I put to you that grace is about crossing that boundary and that boundary. And actually touching and reaching out to those who are considered untouchable. Jesus belonged to everybody. He was everyone's man. Don't forget that this act of touching that leper wasn't done in isolation. It says in the very first verse, a large crowd followed him. He did this publicly. Would I or you be prepared to associate and even love those who our closest friends looked down upon? I wonder. That is grace in action. Next illustration from Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 to 13, just straight underneath what I've just read. A faith of a centurion, it's called. It says, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home, paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. That one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and west and take their places at the feast of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, in the kingdom of heaven but the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into darkness where they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth then Jesus said to the centurion go let it be done just as you believed it would and his servant was healed at that very moment and uh, we often 
with the mists of time have sort of slightly dumbed down this story because what we've forgotten is that this Roman soldier wasn't a Jewish man. He was an aggressor. Rome was, sorry, Rome was the global superpower. They invaded countries. They took them over. Israel had been taken over by Rome and filled with Roman soldiers who led and uh, took the resources from the country. Most people were poor in Israel because of the Romans. And yet here is a Roman soldier who, on the face of it, seems quite decent, yet is the enemy asking for help. I wonder if we'd have helped him, or we'd have said, you lot clear off first. We don't want your sort here. But Jesus seems only too happy to heal this man's servant. Isn't that grace in action? Who are your enemies this week? Who are those people that you can't stand the sight of? Would you actually love them? Would you pray for them? And yes, would you drop everything and help them? That's grace in action. This is what we are called to be in the modern world. Matthew chapter 14, flip over the page, uh, verses 12 to 17. This is the story of the feeding of the five thousand says in verse 13 actually when Jesus heard what happened he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place hearing of this the crowds followed him on foot from the towns when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd he had compassion on them and healed those who were ill as evening approached the disciples came to him and said this is a remote place and it's already getting late send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. The rest is history. You know what happens? Jesus takes those five loaves and two fish and he feeds over 5,000 people. Uh, He does the impossible. I believe God can do the impossible. But what's amazing about this isn't the miracle again. What's amazing about this is that Jesus has just heard that his member of his family, John the Baptist, has been beheaded and killed. John the Baptist has just been put to death and Jesus still, as he goes off to a time of grief, actually puts aside his grief. It's okay. I feel the same, actually, to be honest. But in the time of grief... Okay, don't worry, it's okay. Andrew's got the magic touch, apparently. <laughs> everyone, send all your children to Andrea so you can make everyone be quiet. It's quite a blessing. <laughs> um, but he's just lost you know, a close relative who's been beheaded and put to death. Yet as Jesus goes off to a solitary place to grieve, all these people come out and he has compassion on them and shows grace to help them. And what is graciousness if it's not that? He still feeds the crowd, even though he wants to be alone. I wonder this morning, are we prepared to put aside our needs, put down our me time or our downtime to love other people? Would we, do we ignore the phone or a cry for help because we've had a busy day? I wonder if someone needed to pray with us, would we put them off till tomorrow because we first need a rest? Isn't grace putting them first and us Second, isn't that what the world needs? Christians and people who put other people's needs above their own. And the final illustration of grace from the life of Jesus comes from the cross itself. 
In Luke chapter 23, verse 34, as Jesus is nailed to the cross, he cries out his final prayer almost, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Father, forgive them, they do not know what they are doing. As Jesus faces his accusers from the very cross they've just nailed him to, after countless treachery and lies, uh, when Pilate condemns him to death, he shows the ultimate act of grace by praying not for himself and his death, but that God would forgive them. Forgiveness is grace in action. Today, this week, you cannot know the grace of God if you are holding on to unforgiveness. It is as strong as that. You cannot know the grace of God if you are holding on to unforgiveness. Graciousness is seen best in forgiveness shown to those who do not deserve it. If you only forgive those who deserve to be forgiven, that is not forgiveness at all. Forgiveness is those who don't deserve it, and that is grace in action. Who has offended you this week, last week, last month, 50 years ago? Who has offended you? Who do you still bear a grudge towards? Who has hurt you? If you're going to follow Jesus Christ, you need to forgive them today. It is a simple as that if you want to shine if we want to shine to dark places if we want to change what is once dead we must reach out we must reach out to those who are untouchable even our enemies we must put aside our own needs we must serve the needs of other people and yes we must forgive even those who have once wronged us we must belong to all people not just some, not just our people, but all people. We must be for the whole world, even those who hate us, even those who are in the darkest corners. We must love them, um, even if they want to do us harm. We must love all people. Our world teeters on the brink. And isn't it always time for God's people to begin looking and sounding and behaving like the saviour we serve? Our world needs us to be Christian followers of Christ. In Antioch, they were first called Christians, followers of Jesus. It was meant as an insult because they were so like Christ, you Christians. Wouldn't it be good if we were so like Christ? People just said, you Christians, again, because we're so like our saviour. Our world needs the gospel. It doesn't just need a message. It needs people that live a message out. And these people who are willing to forgive when it's absurd. People who are willing to love when it's costly. People who are willing to turn the other cheek just to get slapped right back the other way. And he's us to stand not on hate and anger and disappointment and bitterness or envy or anything like that. But to stand on love. Knowing that God will avenge. God will repay. But our job is to reach out. In the meantime, will we be gracious this week or not? Shall we pray? Lord God, we just lift up, Lord, the last four weeks. We know that we had a, a brilliant illustration of grace last week in the Jones baptism. Father, we, we thought about grace. We thought about being saved by grace. We thought about why grace is important. And this morning, Lord, we take that challenge to be gracious in our own lives. Father God, it must break your heart when people don't see anything different in our lives. May we look, sound and feel different at work 
or at home or at college or at school or just at the Haley Center or with family. Father God, may people see your son in our reactions, in our words, in our behaviors. Father God, may we even be those who do the ridiculous and forgive those who other people wouldn't. Father God, we thank you that you are a God of justice. The Lord, no one gets away with anything, Father God. And we put that in your hands. You are the just king. You are the just judge. We are your servants and you call us to be a people of love and compassion and faithfulness. May we change the world, Lord, not by force, but Lord, by such a showing of your love and the preaching of the gospel. The Lord, even the hardest heart will be transformed. Use us, we pray in Jesus' name.